Welcome to the podcast where you eavesdrop into conversations between my friends and I on a weekly basis. My name is Lily Jo, I'm a singer, songwriter, and I perform shows all over the world. I'm a qualified counsellor and an emotional well-being coach. You can also check out my award-winning online mental health resource, The Lily Jo Project. I know you will find gems of wisdom within the conversations that I have with my friends. Hopefully you will find tools and resources that you can hold on to, try and test for yourself all around the important subject of mental health and personal development. I am so pleased to welcome you to today's episode of Eavesdrop. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with my lovely friend, Beatrice Smith. Beatrice had to flee her home country of Rwanda at the age of 10 and has since written about her personal experiences in her book, The Search for Home. I'm so inspired by Beatrice's story of resilience, strength, healing and growth, and I know that you will be too. So why don't you grab a brew, take a listen. You are welcome to Eavesdrop. So I'm here with Beatrice Smith, who I am a massive fan of. That's so kind. I really am a massive fan. (laughs) I met Beatrice at my sister's house over coffee and I remember just being like, oh, she was a really nice lady and she had a little boy with her and because she was lovely and she told me about her book, didn't you? You said, I've got a book, I've just written it. So at that dining room table, I ordered the book and it came through the post from Amazon (laughs) like the next day or whatever. It's very quick. And for some reason, like, I could not put it down. And I'm not... A, I, I love books, but I struggle reading. Yeah. Like, sitting and being relaxed enough to read, yeah. I really struggle with. So, actually, now I listen on Audible and listen to a lot of books now. It's great. But just settling myself enough to read. But with your book, could not put it down. It's incredible. Mm. And it's Beatrice's journey from Rwanda to the UK. And I just felt so guilty after reading it. <laughs> I was like, so sorry. you know, I just like, kind of was like, oh, hi, in this kitchen, you know, random little kitchen coffee chat. Mm. And then I'm like, no, for her to get to that kitchen table was massive. It was a huge journey. And yeah. I just took it for granted that I just <laughs> randomly met you. So I was so privileged and honoured to meet you yeah. and spend time with you today. So thanks for being on the podcast. No, thanks for asking me. I'm just really glad that we get to chat. Yeah. It's all great get chatting to with out. you, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> good to like, yeah, and laugh with you and stuff. So yeah, yeah so thanks for asking me. You're welcome. Yeah. How are the listeners? A brief overview of your story. So in 1994, my country was gripped by uh, 100 days of violence. We didn't know at the time that it would, you know, it was a genocide. We just knew that loads of people that we loved were being killed. So a lot of that involved my family, directly family members and friends and neighbours. So we saw some stuff that we should never have seen as children. And it was just incredibly traumatic, incredibly difficult. During those 100 days, we were cut up in the house. And um, and as a result of that, we had to then, you know, when given the opportunity, we had to leave the country, we had to flee. And then what ensued was four years of my family and me desperately trying to find a place to call home again. So, you know, nothing prepares you for losing your house, losing your home. And so we had no idea, we're not destination. We didn't have a postcode. We had no idea where we were going. But for four years, we went from country to country, basically trying to find a place that would receive us as refugees, trying to find a place that, that was safe enough for us to call home. And in 1997, we ended up here in the UK. Um, 
So that's 20 something years on as refugees. And it was, it's been an incredible. So what I do in the book is I talk about that story, that journey from the traumatic bit of being in the middle of, you know, the death and the killing and the genocide, right through to making your way to, through to various countries, starting again to talk about things like education, how we then dealt with it as a family, talk about starting again in different countries, uh, and basically tell the journey, which a lot of people who have had to flee their countries will find that they have a similar journey. So I know that it's not unique, um, but it's my story. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to tell it because I feel like one of the things that that I wanted to do was honour my family through it, but also honour the people who helped us during that incredibly difficult time to help us. And also honour God. And I know not everybody listening probably is is a believer, but actually honour God because it was a miracle that we made it through at that incredible tough time. So yeah, that's Mm. in a nutshell the story. Yeah, so if you don't want to read the book after that, (laughs) there's something wrong with you. (laughs) No, it's an incredibly well-written, beautifully descriptive story and you went back to Rwanda recently I did. didn't you yeah. what was that like for you so that was interesting <laughs> it was so it wasn't exactly it wasn't what I expected it was incredibly healing for me it was like a full circle moment because I realized that I needed to to have this connection to home one of the things that, that happened as I wrote the story was I started feeling quite quite homesick and I wanted to know again but but what it did for me was Every time I closed my eyes and I thought about Rwanda before going back, I had these image, images of, of, of the war, right? Okay. And, um, and, and it had kind of stolen away something of my beautiful country that I loved, because I loved my country. Yeah. It sounded amazing, yeah. like the description yeah. at the beginning of the book yeah. and yeah. describing the trees in your garden right? and all these yeah. amazing colours. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. And it's it is beautiful. So then going back, and now when I close my eyes, I see that. Great. It's yeah. been restored. It's been restored. Yeah. And it is it's just beautiful. And I just kind of have these new <laughs> memories and this restoration. And that's the place I remember. You know, that's the place I love. And it's completely different. But it's just really restored the joy that I feel about my country. And did you get to go back to your family? Home? I did. Yeah. And what I was got that to like? Oh my goodness, that was tough. You know, so it wasn't an easy journey, uh, but it was necessary. And I got to see my home, and I got to see family members that I, that, that I didn't even know were still alive. I was sat in a room with, like, three of my aunties who were just, like, just these incredibly older women, you know, amazing older women, you know, talking to me about culture. And, oh, it was just so good. So good. Eating my food for my bedroom. <laughs> It was just a real privilege to be able to go. Yeah. And we're going again, actually, as a family um, in June. So I'm taking my husband and my children to go and see this place that they've kind of heard about, I've spent the last three years talking about. So it, I feel like I've had um, a real gift given back to me that I never thought was possible. So Amazing. I'm very grateful. So can you talk to us about, first of all, the process of writing a book? Yeah. How was that for you? And what inspired you to even write a book? I mean, you're yeah. a mother of two. You've got a great job. You're busy. How did you find time? And what made you go, I want to write a book? Tell us yeah. about your story. So that's the interesting bit, I guess, when I talk about my book. Because I often talk about how... I mean, I'd, I'd always wanted to write a book. But how I actually ended up writing this particular one was 
slightly by accident. Okay. <laughs> so I wasn't intending to. And I say slightly by accident, intentionally, the pun is intended, because I actually had an accident and wrote the book whilst I was recovering in hospital. From As you do. Car Just write a book while I'm in hospital. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. But, uh, but if you told me that I was going to do that, I'd have been like, no. No, because like in my mind, I just needed a place to escape. So I journal a lot and journaling is something that I've done since I was, you know, little. And I just find that, that like I don't always know how I feel. I don't always really take time to process what's going on. So one of the best ways for me to do it is to write things down. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that like at the end of the day, rather than kind of sit with somebody and say, well, I'm feeling really upset, I'm feeling really sad. Like I don't always know that. Mm-hmm. But when I write, these things flow out of me. Mm-hmm. So I find myself just really struggling to, to recover from a terrific car accident um, three years ago in, in July 2015, four years ago actually nearly. And I guess part of my writing the book came out of somebody suggesting, hey, why don't you journal? Um, because I was really struggling to sleep. I was really struggling to, to cope with what was going on. I was really struggling with flashbacks uh, because it was really traumatic. So I was actually every time I close my eyes I'd see the scene so then as I go to bed they'll just come back and flood flood back Mm. and so when my friend suggested that it actually helped me because I was struggling to sleep so it became kind of like a coping mechanism but it wasn't a book at that time but out of that flew this incredible incredible book now that I have yeah so it's interesting it's so amazing it's amazing how you maximized on your time yes of pain almost yeah yeah really cool and actually journaling is so therapeutic isn't it I'm the same as you in that I love to journal I love to write stuff down it really helps me to go where am I at (laughs) yeah but but what you're saying I mean I don't feel like I fully answered your question because there's I guess three parts of that but I guess the process of writing a book for me didn't start until I finished I guess putting these thoughts down so instead of writing stuff down that was happening after the car accident so I wasn't actually seeing flashback of the car accident alone I was seeing flashbacks of uh, me as a child in Rwanda the scenes of um, I guess what we went through as refugees so these were stuff that was just like in the back so one trauma triggered another wow which was so interesting and then as I started to write this is me thinking I'm just getting this stuff out of kind of what just happened to us in the last sort of few weeks, actually what I started putting down was stuff to do with me as a child, refugee, etc. And it was really interesting, actually, kind of what your brain does. But mm. afterwards, when I had this thing kind of put together, what then ended up being a, a manuscript, I guess, the process of book writing started. Because wow. it was then it was no longer an accident. It was actually somebody said, Beatrice, you've got a book here. This is worth looking at and thinking and actually would love to publish it which was just really strange for me but then but then the intentional bit Mm -hmm. then of writing started Mm -hmm. then because then I had to go back and reread what I'd written yeah and then also think actually how do I want to structure this and also when do I when can I on and deadlines and that kind of stuff I learned a lot it was very humbling because there's a lot that I learned through kind of structuring stuff and writing a story and things you include, things you don't, I guess how many words you need to write, all of that that comes from uh, kind of people who know and have written know how intense that can be. Mm-hmm. So then what followed after, whilst I'm recovering from this car accident, was almost a year of intentional 
writing of this story, wow. which then was one, both really, really therapeutic, but also incredibly healing for me as I went through this journey, because I had to then think, actually, this is an opportunity that, that I'm being given to tell a story that isn't just my story, but is, I guess, a similar story to, 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 to millions of people, millions of refugees who are currently going through what I've, you know, what I've gone through. So mm. it became a real privilege to then sit down and put it together. But yeah, it wasn't easy. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well done, you. Thank you. It's okay having an idea, yeah. but it's like, well, how do you then make Absolutely. that idea an actual thing? Yeah. And you really yeah. have done that. And it's a very, very good product. <laughs> so how has the response been from the book? Yeah, I mean, it's the response has been incredibly unexpected for me. I thought that I was writing this for my daughter initially. I just thought, actually, for more than anything else, I want her to never forget this story because one of the things that I'd never done is I had never personally dealt with my journey from Rwanda to the UK mm-hmm. I guess it's a it's a coping mechanism some people are able to ruminate over stuff that happened to them but my natural coping style is an avoidance style so when something happens I just go into task mode and then I just want to get things done so what do I need to do right now to get because if it's a crisis, how do I need to, to get out of this crisis? What do I need to actually do practically to sort this out? And so I get into task mode mm. and I keep going. And so then it takes me a while to work out what I'm feeling, what how it's made me feel. So what I noticed was I'd never told anybody this story, actually. I'd never. And, and this is incredible what we went through. But it's also I've got children now and they don't know what I've been through. So then I remember kind of bathing my daughter as I was working through this book and she said, Mummy, where are you really from? And I was like, that's such an interesting question because I'd never really told her. As far as she was aware, you know, Mummy was kind of from the UK and this this is who she was. And, you know, and yet there was this incredible backstory that I, I felt like for her sake, I needed to write it down and hand it to her. Mm. And whether she read it now or in the future, just for her to never forget. So the fact that then... <sighs> Somebody else will pick it up and get something out of it because it's such a personal story. It has been interesting to me. And the amount of emails and messages and and kind of response that, that we've got, that the publishers have got, has been staggering. People kind of <laughs> saying, you know, this is my story and you've put it into words. And I never realised this is how I've been feeling. Somebody rang me the other day and she said, you know, I had to ask the publishers for your phone number because I felt like an email wouldn't be enough. And I want to tell you that what you talk about in terms of homesickness, said I'm, I'm 46 years old and I left my country when I was 13 and I've been feeling this this thing in my in my heart not knowing what it was and, it, and then you put it into words. And I was just like, oh, that's amazing. So it's, it's resonating with people. And then kind of somebody else who works with refugees kind of saying, you've made them human again for me, because often that's what we do with our organisation. And I think like that, a lot of stuff has come out I never expected. And it's such a privilege to just be able to say, wow, like, you know, because it's my story that has had an impact on, on people. It's just really great. Yeah, so good. It makes me uh, when you were saying that about homesickness, I remember in the book it says that you travelled through five countries. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Five countries mm. to get here. And that feeling just I felt that overwhelming yeah. sense of what it must feel like to go through all of that yeah. to become here. Yeah. And I think it's that for me, I guess, because I, I was so young. Mm. I mean I was ten years old when I left my country. So then five countries, by the time we arrived in the UK, I was uh, nearly 15. So that's coming of age on the journey. And 
so anybody will know that one of the things that teenagers crave is security and just kind of change is happening anyway, whether you like it or not. So to constantly change countries, languages, culture, How many friends, languages do you, did you end up speaking? Nine languages in the end, which sounds amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. But, uh, you know, so there's, there's this incredible, I guess, result of that. But, but the process itself is excruciating. Mm-hmm. I found it really, really hard to make friends and then lose them again. You know, so then it's like, it's like you're constantly getting your heart broken. You can't attach because you don't know how long you're there. And then there's this period of waiting and then you kind of feel like, what's the point? You sort of lose hope in the way because you think, like, what's the point of me making friends now? Because I know that, like, I don't know how long we're going to be connected mm. for. And so that was a really interesting yeah. part of the journey. And and for me, even kind of that constant changing of countries, sort of starting up something and then, you know, starting again and constantly doing that was just really, really heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and hard. Season two of Eavesdrop is kindly sponsored by Mediconf. Mediconf promote excellence in health education throughout the UK. For more information on Mediconf, go to mediconf.co.uk. Please find the links in the description box below. What do you think that experience has taught you? Like, yeah. now as an adult, who are you because of that experience? Yeah, I think I value people more. I really do. And I think for me, it took me a long time to feel like I could settle and be safe and be safe with people. But at the same time now, I really appreciate friendship. I absolutely appreciate the opportunity to meet and have and get to know somebody and have somebody get to know me because I felt like part of what I lost was that you know Mm. that I couldn't really get to know somebody and they really couldn't get to know me Mm. because I didn't know how long I had so now I take my time with people yeah and I spend and I feel like something that God that because I'm I'm a person of faith so like something that God has given me is this incredible love and appreciation for people Mm. just to be able to appreciate that I get to be a friend I get to have a friend Mm. I get to spend time with people I get to be known and I get to know so I don't take that for granted and I think as a result of that everything that I've done has been around people because I think that that's something that I'm really you know I I felt like that's what it was really lonely on the road and so now kind of this sense of building community is really important to me Mm. so I guess who I am as a result of that is this I feel like I've got a sense of yeah, I, I need to create a community. I need to be somebody who is in community, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's really impacted me in that mm. way. What else has it done for you? <sighs> I know that you're not going to want to talk about yourself in this way. It's <laughs> uncomfortable, isn't it? But actually, I just want to see... Yeah. I want to I want to build a picture of what all that pain yes. and all that travel mm. and all of that hardship almost mm. has created now in you. Yeah, you know? I think... Gosh, I talk about being able to adapt to any situation. And I always feel like I need to know where this actual scripture is. But there's a bit where um, Paul talks about knowing what it is to live in, in abundance and what it is to like live in abs- with absolutely nothing. I feel like one of the things that I'm able to do is to be able to live really simply because actually things don't matter as much as you think they do. The other thing that I notice mm. is that incredible resilience just the ability to withstand hard stuff. Yeah. That comes from that. 
you know, because once you've been through something that you never thought your soul could ever stand, uh, you grow muscles in places you didn't think you, yeah? So, I, yeah, so I feel like, like it's made me stronger. It's made me able to cope with stuff that I didn't, you know, so I feel like actually, yeah, I'm able to cope with a lot more than most people can. <laughs> so, and what's really interesting is that actually life hasn't been easy. <laughs> it hasn't been straight. But but then, then realising that, no, I made it through that, so I can make it through this. That's mm. that resilience. That, they talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, right? But I read recently in a book by Sheryl Sandberg, who I write so well, in a book called Plan B, Option B, I think after her husband died. And she talks about something called post-traumatic growth. And it's beautiful. It is incredible. It's just this ability of... Yeah, going through something and, yes, being incredibly traumatic, but actually finding resilience and growth and incredible strength that you didn't know you had to be able to then turn around and walk someone else through it. Wow. And that, for me, that idea of post-traumatic growth has been like, yes, I totally get that. Yeah, because there is that negative connotation, post-traumatic stress disorder. right. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's a really yeah. bad thing. But what yeah. you're saying is post-traumatic growth. Yeah. That's the glass half full that Absolutely. you're looking at. Yeah. Post-traumatic. And I guess standing and saying, no, that's possible. Because feeling like I am the living embodiment of it, you know. I get to talk to a lot of people who ha- who are going through incredibly difficult stuff and walk them through stuff that I never thought I'd be able to walk them through. And being able to sit across from somebody who's going through something so incredibly tough and traumatic and saying, you know, it's possible to have growth through this. And I know that it's a journey, so you don't want to rush someone through it. But just the idea that it's possible is incredibly hot-giving. So, yeah, there's lots that I can say, but I just think appreciating that pain isn't always a bad thing, <laughs> and that, that nothing is ever wasted, right? And that actually that... There is incredible beauty to be had from ashes, from stuff that you thought could never, ever be redeemable. That's an incredible lesson that I'm learning, present tense, mm. you know. So, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. It really does. <laughs> and I'm sure that you could talk about how much you've learned and who you are off the back of what you've learned yeah. all day, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And I know that it's, it's uncomfortable to talk about yourself in that way. But that does give us an insight into actually that, whatever pain you've been through there is growth that comes from that and that is definitely evident within you ah absolutely another way i guess that i see it is um and i know that it's something that you asked me a while ago i think it's to do with how i parent i guess as well so we're living in this in this age where we're really like we're asked to rescue our children a lot from stuff you know, so we, you know, kind of everything is easy and, and it should be, right? It should be easy because we want our children to have the best and that kind of thing. And so I guess we forget to teach them sometimes, or I know that I, I have to, to really intentionally do this, about, about resilience. So I'm really passionate about growing resilient kids. So we have a saying in our family, and my friend Hannah, your sister-in-law, loves <laughs> the same, you know, has the same saying, we do hard things. You know, the mm. fact that actually when something is really, really hard, rather than give up and kind of go to, oh, this is so hard, and then, what, no, let's just do something that's... It's like, no, no, it's hard, and we do hard things. You know, so that's been... That's something that I know that my parents taught me. 
but yeah, this is hard, but we do have things. Mm-hmm. And so now I kind of need to turn around and do that with my children. So we deliberately do things that make us uncomfortable. We deliberately do things that, that are difficult. We deliberately... So things like relationships that maybe might not be working at school. So rather than kind of say, well, avoid that, it's like, no, how do we work through that hard thing? You know, deliberately do things that, that are uncomfortable because actually it's important to learn to grow stuff, to grow muscles in you, mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, to, to become resilient. And that's something that you learn. It's something that you can learn. Yeah, and you can, you can only learn it by going through hard Absolutely. times, can't you? Absolutely, yeah. So. Oh, that's so, so good. I feel really challenged about that, actually. There's a real balance, I think, as well with parenting. Mm. Like, how much do you push your child? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's going to take yeah. them into a place where it's they lose confidence. Yeah. yeah. And how much do you push your child because you can see that they just need a push? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really hard balance no. I'm currently finding. With yeah, my daughter, I agree. Actually. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think for, for me, one of the things that I struggled with a lot was, I mean, I, I love, I'm a little bit of a geek, so I love, I love studying, I love school I've always loved school one of those kids who just like got excited to wake up in the morning and go to school so then leaving my country and not being able to go to school was hard for me because it was a place of safety for me it was where I excelled it was where I did well and then not having that constant reassurance that I was doing well because I couldn't go to school was really hard for me actually because as a child you don't have this same understanding I guess that I have now Um, and I didn't know then that that's self-worth so losing that was losing my self-worth, you know, that kind of thing. And so I've then really grown up with parents who encouraged me incredibly to pursue education. And obviously because of what we went through, we knew that actually we needed to to have a good level of education to be able to, to yeah, to get good jobs, that kind of thing. And so I have to be really careful that I don't then project that to my children, mm-hmm. you know, because education is really important to me. And then it's like, I don't want to push you because, you know, we I want you to love school. <laughs> yeah. I really love school, so yeah. please also love it. But yeah. then, so when, when, when my children come home and they just have had a really bad day at school or they don't want to do the work, I'm like, ooh, the uncomfortable <laughs> feeling. You know, like, uh, calm down, it's fine. You know, so like, oh, when, when the teacher kind of goes, oh, um, mm, your child was messing around at school today, kind of fighting that feeling of like, what? What do you mean? You're supposed to love it. Like, so it is important to I guess find striking that balance for me you know so some people may not struggle with that but actually for me Mm. it's kind of like it's okay for them not to have read a book (laughs) and just played today or it's like for them you know for my like my daughter loves writing so it's like it's okay for her not to have written an essay today (laughs) you know it's okay for her to hate school sometimes yeah (laughs) it's okay it won't you know so yeah it's just striking that balance isn't it Mm. of kind of how do you encourage without it being and recognizing what you love and that necessarily won't be something that that is yeah they they do and it's kind of like teaching them that without it being hard Mm. yeah but it is it's a a balance so yeah it is a real hard balance yeah so obviously you are so busy and writing this next book how do you find time to relax and what do you do to relax and how do you recharge this actually was something that I was talking to a friend about because she was asking me the very same question and I find myself talking about your resource you talk about RED don't you on your website on the Lily Job Project and sort of relaxation exercise and distraction distraction there you go (laughs) but but actually what I've noticed was I used to think that relaxing for me meant doing nothing 
and he meant kind of, I guess, sitting in front of the TV or literally just kind of sleeping or whatever. Because when you're so busy, even kind of getting a few hours of sleep is really difficult. So kind of thinking, yeah, I'm just going to... But actually, I realised in the last couple of years that that wasn't necessarily recharging for me. And so now, and it was something that then when I read it on your website, I was like, yes, completely, you know, absolutely incredible. But, uh, knowing how to recharge is something that I didn't know that I needed to learn. And so I'll be like, why? Like, I've had, four, I've had four hours of extra sleep today. Why am I not relaxed? Why do I still feel kind of, you know, you know, stressed or whatever? And so learning how to recharge has been a real journey for me. And it's only kind of in the last couple of years I've really learned what that looks like. For me, because I have an avoidant, um, I guess, style of coping, to recharge for me means doing, you know, yes, relaxing, absolutely. But relaxing for me means things like grabbing a coffee with a friend. And I can't always do that. But I'll shoot in small things like running a bath. So I love water. I can't, I'm not a great swimmer, but I love water. So getting in the bath. Uh-huh. Or, so so for me, relaxation, absolutely. But also what I've noticed is, yes, absolutely, like exercise. I need to get out there and I need to breathe different air. Mm. So running has been an incredible thing for me. But again, I had to learn why that was important. So more than just going, oh, I've got to go for a run. Realising it's something like that recharges my soul right, has been incredible. But also, just because I do have, you know, that avoidant kind of style, stopping activity, so rather than distraction, kind of focused activity of writing, journaling, so that I can then get to terms with how I'm feeling. Mm. And by doing that daily and being really intentional with it. So even kind of my husband and I have had to learn how to ask each other questions. So kind of so that he can draw those out of me so that he can find out how I'm doing emotionally. So we do things at the end of the evening while he'll say to me, tell me five things that happened today. You know, so 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 I start with when statement, when this happened, I felt. And so that you, so nobody kind of, you know, he doesn't have to comment on it and I, I don't have to, you know, he, he doesn't have to do anything with what I say. It's just when this happened this morning or when I woke up this morning, I felt really anxious about my day. But then I did this and did it. Or when, you know, the children came home from school, I felt really excited. And so that helps me then to work out daily how mm, I'm feeling. Really so for good. me, yeah, like just looking at it on your website was just like, yeah, I'm so glad I'm on the right track. It was almost like affirmation. Yeah, of course. So, ha- so learning how you would for me it's yeah relaxation exercise mm-hmm. but focus rather than just distraction yeah focus activity yeah so, be um, intentional about what yeah, you spend your time yeah, doing yeah so, do you know what there's a really good app that i've just been using i don't know if you'll already know about it it's called soul time Have you no, heard I, don't of it? I don't know oh, i don't know about this yeah it's amazing so i've just this year been trying to get a rhythm of rest yeah and, yeah um pete has booked a day a week in my diary off and it's yeah. been amazing yeah but at first I was just like, I don't really know how to be off mm. because I don't really know how to, yeah. like, what do I do yeah. to relax? Yeah. So again, I've been on the same journey, like, how do I actually, what do I enjoy? But this app, just doing sort of 10, 15 minutes a day, wow, it's got different backgrounds. It's yeah. got like the sea and it's actually moving. So you, you're watching the waves. Yeah. Or it's got like a river and it's got Bible verses on it. But then it's also got this option to meditate. So they lead you in like a meditation for whatever. So it's like how to overcome betrayal how to have more sleep, how to deal with unforgiveness, like all these different programs within the app. It's amazing. And then it asks you to check in with yourself. So it's like, how are you feeling about yourself? Exactly. They've got lots of words and you choose the word. How do you feel about others? Mm. And it says stuff like unloved, unseen, hopeful, betrayed content. You choose. And how do you feel about God today? 
and you have That's to check so in good. and then it logs it as a journal for you and Fab. you can write extra notes so you think you'd really enjoy that, that. I would so love that yeah, yeah it's so just a quick daily yeah. it's not a lot of time yes. but it's when you finish you just suddenly you're like oh my goodness I feel so refreshed Excellent. and I think so, it's that thing of realizing we give out every day don't we and then we end up kind of approaching life if we're not careful with an empty cup mm-hmm. so learning that that you need to fill that cup daily yep. has been an interesting thing for me and that's actually been really helpful mm. with the rhythm of life, you know, that, that, that we, we're called to with mm. the, I guess, the pace of life that you know this, you know, mm. that we're called to. It's, you know, it's really fast sometimes and learning to slow down and yeah. to breathe and to know so that you're not giving up on an empty place. You know, it's been really interesting. Really yeah. good. Thanks for sharing. So the book's available. It is, yeah. On Amazon mm-hmm. and anywhere that sells yeah. books. Yeah, so it's, Guess WH Smith, Waterstones, or the other places, I guess. It's called The Search for Home. Yeah, it's called The Search for Home by Beatrice Smith. It is strange going into a bookstore and being like, where's my podcast yet? But but it's also available on Amazon. If you have Prime, you can get it on the same day, apparently. But on Kindle as well. And recently, uh, as an audiobook. Really? Do you read it? No, I don't. That's so interesting, actually, because I was in the middle of writing something else when they were recording for the audiobook, and I really didn't have... And they needed it to be available. Because lots of people were writing in saying, I absolutely love this book and would love to send it to people. And actually, one of the reasons why they recorded it as an audiobook was because it's a blind refugee school in I think it's no it's not Syria but a blind refugee school wanted to be read the book so then they're like oh should we just have an audio version of it so then wow yeah now it's available as an audiobook it's been read by an incredible lady and actually in a way it's good that I do (laughs) I just think that and there are parts of it that I still find quite emotional, okay. quite difficult. Mm-hmm. So hearing, and, I, and I've heard it, I've heard her reading it, and it's beautiful. And it's done real, real great justice. I'm going to do I'm going to do it. Yeah, I want to so, do it again. Um, so, it is, so I've kind of, it was like hearing another person's story when I was listening to it. And I got to really appreciate it from a different point of view. Wow. So yeah, so, yeah. anyway, audiobook. Yeah, so, um, it's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And if people want to find you online, yeah. where can they find you? So I am on Twitter, Beatrice, at Beatrice Smith. And I am also, I've got a website, BeatriceSmith.com. So there you can kind of find out a bit more about me. So I I guess I'm a writer as well. So, so I blog and I write other stuff. I'm hoping that that's going to be something that I do long term. <laughs> So I'm in the middle of writing another book. So I, I guess if you want to know what I do next, that would be a really good place to then find that Can you that give out. us a sneak preview of what you're writing about? Yeah, that? so it's this theme that's emerged from my book, from my story. Uh, so I guess writing my story has been good, but also really uncomfortable. But it's taught me a lot. And, and one of the things that has been coming up as I've been speaking and talking about it is this theme of belonging. So I'm writing a book on that, really, just to delve a little bit deeper on this idea of belonging and building something permanent in a temporary place. Ooh. So it is. Um, it's it's a it's 
taken a bit longer than my first book, but it's a really meaty thing to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that I'm living at the moment, that I'm learning. Like, how do you help people belong? How do you help people find a place of belonging? Especially mm. when you're in, I guess, you're in your plan B. Uh, you're in a place you never expected you would. So I was chatting to a friend of mine who said, by, you know, by the age of 30, I thought that I would. You know, or like I never thought that this thing was going to happen to me. So you find yourself in a space, in a space you never expected you'd occupy, and then you have to build your life from mm -hmm. that. Which is kind of, I guess, building on to my story, but looking at how you find belonging in a place you never expected to be in. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting thing. Well, please, will you make sure that Absolutely. I get a copy straight yeah. away? Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for asking me. I know that people listening out there will have been amazed and blown away by your journey, your story, your learning. So thanks for sharing. On the podcast, we cover a range of sensitive topics and perspectives. Some of the points raised in this episode you may strongly agree with or strongly disagree with. I want to know who you are and what you think. Last season we had so many downloads, but we don't know who you are. I want to get to know you. I really want to hear your thoughts and continue the conversation. And that's why I've created a brand new Facebook group. You can find the link to the group in the podcast description, or you can search for Lily Joe Presents Eavesdrop on Facebook. On joining the group, we would like you to fill out a very short questionnaire and in return, you will be entered into our competition for a chance to win some Lily Joe merchandise plus a day in the studio with us as we record season three of Eavesdrop. The winner will be announced on Friday the 22nd of March, so don't miss out on this opportunity to connect in this way. I am so excited to get to know you. I will see you in the group. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, why not share with your friends? Please check the description box below for extra links and further information to some of the topics discussed in today's episode. Also, you'll find information about what's coming next. For further information, top tips and advice on all kinds of mental health issues, including low mood, anxiety, self-harm, eating disorders and more, please do check out www.thelilyjoeproject.com. You can find my music across all digital platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. See you next time. Throughout 2019 and 2020, I will be touring high schools across the UK and Europe with my Let's Talk About Mental Health interactive and fun workshop. 75% of those with a mental health condition start developing it before the age of 18. That's why I believe it's so important to let young people know what to do if they are struggling with a mental health condition and how to maintain good mental health. If you would like me to lead this workshop at your school, please do get in touch. Email us, admin at thelilyjoeproject.com or why not check out our schools pack, which is www.thelilyjoeproject.com forward slash schools. We can't wait to meet you. Are you feeling stuck? 
Do you need a little help to get your life back on track? Do you have big dreams but don't know where to start? Why not book a session with me where we can explore together your dreams and turn them into a reality? I offer life coaching to individuals through my unstoppable life coaching business. Why not find a link in the description box below and book today? And don't forget to use the unique discount code eavesdrop for an extra 10% off. Are you looking for an interactive workshop on how to overcome low self-esteem for your next festival, youth event or schools workshop? Why not book me, Lily Jo, to lead my brand new I Am Worthy workshop where I teach best practices on how to overcome low self-esteem. This workshop is not just for girls, but it's for your guys as well. Find a link in the description box below to book today and don't forget to use the unique discount code eavesdrop for 10% off.